time is coming. Either you prepare to rule or you... Welcome to the Pipeline Award-Winning Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jason Gibbs. You can find me on Twitter at Pipeline underscore, and you can find me coming through your speakers right now. Well, what a great week four we had in college football. We're going to put a little bow on that. We're going to take a look ahead to week five. But before we do that, I'm going to bring in my main man, Mike DeVoe. Mike, how are we doing? I'm doing good. I'm a little upset. I, I feel like the Kansas Jayhawks should be ranked right now. Uh, I don't know what's up with that, but I, I don't know any other P5 team that starts out 4-0 in the way that they have and isn't at least considered for a top 25 bid. Well, it's obvious that the AP voters are cowards. They won't rank Kansas. They won't rank Kent State. Nobody any good gets ranked anymore. But, Mike, let's before we... Look ahead to next week, or this upcoming week, I should say. Let's talk about our games of the week last week. So, my game of the week was Clemson at Wake Forest. Yours was Florida at Tennessee. And I and I said it. We're going to start out the weekend. It was a 12 o'clock kick. Clemson going to Wake Forest. Just an unbelievable game. Double overtime. Tigers hold on for a 51-45 to win. At Wake Forest, just a crushing blow for the Demon Deeks. The Tigers did whatever they had to to win the game. Their secondary was very suspect in this game. Now, granted, Wake Forest is one of those high-flying teams. They run that mesh offense. Uh, Sam Hartman was doing his thing. Six touchdowns, 337 yards through the air. But you can definitely tell Brent Venables is gone and I'm just not sure how this season ends for the Tigers. Jason, I, I feel like we owe a bit of an apology to DJU. I think we talk, talked a lot of crap about him uh, you know, for <laughs> the past several podcasts. I think this was a, a great game for him. I think, uh, I don't know if you remember, but during that podcast, I said, I think this game might be bigger for DJU than anybody else. And I think he, he stepped up and he, he rose to the occasion and, you know, while there were definitely some suspect plays, I think overall his play in that game uh, solidified his position, at least for the next several weeks, as the starting quarterback for Clemson Tigers. Absolutely, Mike. We were a full-fledged anti-DJ Uyunglele podcast. We have now relented. We're now a neutral DJ Uyunglele <laughs> podcast. He did come through 371 through the air, five touchdowns, and an unbelievable two-point conversion, which we barely saw any of, of course, because we were too busy getting cut in for Aaron Judge updates. But Will Shipley had a great game on the ground. This week will be interesting. They're, it's a revenge game. They're hosting NC State. NC State picked them off last year, if you'll remember. But there's seemingly, through the weather reports, it's going to be a total slop fest with the hurricane going through. It might be pouring rain. 
We'll see if the Tigers can pull it out. But to your point, yes, DJU has solidified his spot. We had hinted at, wished, wondered about Cade Klubnik coming in. Not going to happen anytime soon. And, and DJU firmly grabbing that mantle back. We'll see this week how it plays out. Clemson's still right in the mix. I went on record by saying Clemson won't make the playoffs without benching DJU. Maybe I need to put a sock in it this week because he definitely proved me wrong. Mike, let's get to your game. Florida at Tennessee, number 20 Florida coming in, having won 16 of the last 17 against the Vols, a game the Vols absolutely had to have. And they got it, albeit in very nail-biting fashion for Vol Nation. It's funny. You wouldn't really expect for Vols fans to be upset after after a game like that. But I think Vol Nation is, is very – they were expecting a, a bigger or a wider margin of victory here. I think it's hard for them to be too upset, though, because they are currently the third – the ranked third in the, in the SEC right now. I mean, it's – for they have to be very excited, especially with regards to how that how they've started seasons in the past, continuously disappointing their fan base. And this year, they, I mean, they they might not have wanted to to play that game as or as close as they have, but they came out on the other side with a victory, and that's all that really matters here. You know, on the flip side with Florida, I think we we're a little too quick after that Utah game to to anoint them a spot in the in the college football playoff this coming year. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't think Anthony Richardson was quite the the second coming of of Cam Newton or you know one of those big uh running quarterbacks that we thought he was going to be. But I think overall it was a great game like like we expected. Uh and it just so happens that Tennessee continues the the win streak for this season. So Anthony Richardson definitely acquitted himself there in this game, he had played a couple of very suspect games. Only 24 of 44, so not a great percentage passing, but he did rack up 453 yards through the air, two touchdowns, 62 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. Was really single-handedly keeping him in. I want to mention two things. I want to mention, what do you think of a very, very dark horse, but getting lighter by the second, Hendon Hooker for Heisman, 349, two touchdowns through the air, 112 on the ground, a touchdown as well. If Tennessee could somehow climb the mountain, somehow get to the SEC championship game, what do you think about Hendon Hooker possibly, at least at least being a Heisman finalist? Jason, I, I love that. I mean, that would be the storyline of the year if Hendon Hooker could end up being a Heisman finalist. I mean, coming from a Virginia Tech program that – uh, he couldn't even, I mean, he fought for the starting position and he, you know, he positioned himself to be the starting quarterback on several occasions, several games. Uh, could never really fully win that starting job for Virginia Tech, who I'm sure right now Virginia Tech Hokies wish wish that they had ended Hooker back <laughs> with them. Uh, I, I'm tell, I'll tell you what, I mean, the, the kid really has, I mean, it's his fifth or sixth year and sometimes it takes that long for somebody to, to progress and become uh, the best player that they can be. And, uh, you know, I think Henry Hooker, it might have taken him some time, but, man, he's really gotten there. He, he's been very impressive thus far. Hendon Hooker, the straw that is stirring Josh Heupel's drink and the balls. <laughs> but before we go off this game, Mike, and, and turn the page to this upcoming week, 
it's really curious, okay, so for those that weren't watching this game and, and maybe only saw the final score, Tennessee scores a touchdown in the fourth quarter. They go up 38-31, okay, 17 points. Now, Florida scores a touchdown. What do you do? You're going to kick the extra point, right? 10 points and 9 points, there's no difference. What did they do? They went for two for some insane reason. I don't know if this was some analytics convincing head coach Billy Napier that they should go for two. They go for two. They do not get it. So now they're down 11. They score another touchdown. But you've already missed the two-point conversion, so you have to go for two this time. They do not get that one. They get the onside kick. But now, instead of being down three, they're down five. They have a they have to score a touchdown with like 19 seconds left. And scramble around, Anthony Richardson throws a, an interception from about Tennessee's 40-yard line, maybe 30-yard line. I just do not understand when coaches will make these weird two-point conversion decisions. The difference between 10 points and 9 points is nothing. You still need a touchdown and a field goal. Yes, if you get the two-point conversion, a touchdown and a field goal wins you the game. But if you don't get the two-point conversion, you have to get it the next time. And they didn't get it either. So instead of kicking a tying field goal as the seconds ticked off the clock, and imagine this. Imagine Florida comes back from 17 down in the fourth quarter. And they've won 16 of the last 17. Vol Nation would have been on the edge of their seat. They would have been the most tense crowd in, in the country. But regardless, they made the plays when they had to. Josh Heupel, Hendon Hooker, take the Vols home. Big things in store. We'll see how the rest of their season plays out. Yeah, Jason, I think the boldest play of the weekend was probably Arkansas's field goal, um, you know, to go for the go for the TikTok and, and hit the top of the goalpost rather than the, the win. <laughs> hey, it's all about the content. It's all about it's the content. It's about the content. <laughs> all right, next, before we look ahead to all the games coming up this week and our games of the week and our who should be on upset alert, we're going to play a game that is sweeping the country. You heard it here first on the Pipeline Award-winning podcast. What happened to? So, Mike, I got a couple of subjects for you. Are you are you ready for this one? What happened let's, to? Let's do it. I, I actually heard about this. My uh, my father called and told me about this game that's been been sweeping the nation. So I'm, I'm excited to finally be a part of it. He was on TikTok. I'm I'm assuming and. and... <laughs> <laughs> all right mike what happened to unc i know they're not necessarily a team that's getting a lot of national headlines but let's think back to last year they had a great offense sam powell running the show at quarterback josh downs lighting it up as wide receiver they had an atrocious defense and was constantly having to outscore teams they bring in gene chizik to hopefully fix the defense, Sam goes on to the NFL. They're bringing in Drake May as quarterback. Somehow, some way, they're better on offense and even worse on defense. Mike, what happened to UNC? Well, Gene Chizik, and, and you know, we, we've had this discussion uh, a few times now. I think Gene Chizik is the Jimbo Fisher of defense. Uh, he refuses to change his scheme even though the game has evolved since their schemes have been wildly successful, 
Gene Chizik just he might have lost it. He doesn't really have it anymore. I, I think UNC they they tried to go for that splash hire at the beginning of the year uh, to replace Jay Bateman, the previous defensive coordinator, and they had the talent. They they've recruited very well over the years. Over the past four or five years, they their defensive line has stacked up north of 10 four-star five-star defensive linemen and i think it's inexcusable the the way that the defense has been playing so far with the talent that they've brought in gene chizik is he's just not he's not cut out for the job anymore uh, i do have to say I, I think phil longo's offense is not conducive to having like a top 10 defense because of because of how fast they score uh how many i, I mean Long, if you watch Carolina games or a Phil Longo offense, you, you'll notice that they score really quickly or they get off the field rather quickly as well. And that's not conducive to, to having a great defense because you're not giving those players rest. So for me, what happened to Carolina? They hired the wrong defensive coordinator. Yeah, so you think about some, some of the defensive talent they have, Storm, Duck, Tony Grimes in the secondary, those guys seemingly constantly getting lit up. Gene Chizik's inability to adapt seemingly is torpedoing not only UNC season this year, maybe the future, maybe Mac Brown, they're going to have to make a change. Something's going to have to happen because you can't come off a bye and go against a team that's been absolutely struggling like Notre Dame has been on offense and really just constantly get lit up. Like you said, can't get off the field. Notre Dame's converting third and longs. And it, like I said, it was a game that flew under the radar, but it was just a little bit eyebrow-raising as far as the final result. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, and you know, I did harp on that defense, the defensive side of the ball there. I, I have to agree with you with regards to the offensive side of the ball. They Drake May, is, he's, the, he's the nation's or college football's best-kept secret right now. I feel like eventually... He's going to be a household name. The kid has been absolutely fantastic in Phil Longo's offense. And if you don't know him now, you'll you'll hear his name often in the future. So, Jason, uh, I, I have a question for you. What happened to Adrian Martinez? Adrian Martinez. You know, Adrian Martinez obviously was a Nebraska standout for a while. Or maybe not standout, but at least highly recruited. And for those that are in Pipeline Nation, have been in Pipeline Nation from day one, you might hearken back to a couple of years ago when I interviewed Nebraska great Adam Carricker, Husker Hall of Famer, former NFL first-round pick, when Adrian Martinez was just getting on campus. And he said, and I didn't think this was that out of the question at the time, he would one day be a Heisman finalist. And that absolutely never came to fruition at Nebraska. It was just disappointment after disappointment. Now, maybe a lot of that had to do with Scott Frost. But Adrian Martinez transfers to Kansas State, who takes on Oklahoma this past weekend. Kansas State constantly a thorn in Oklahoma's side. They had won three out of the last four versus the Sooners. I don't know, Mike, if you saw the the kind of trash talk tape where Sooner fans were really razzing Adrian Martinez before the game saying, hey, Lincoln Riley's not here anymore. You know, your time's over. What does he proceed to do? Absolutely light up the Sooners. And you know what it kind of reminded me of? It reminded me of that old Dennis Green 
rant when he was coaching the Cardinals and they lost to the Bears on Monday night, and he says, they are who we thought they are. The Bears are who we thought. That's kind of what Adrian Martinez reminded me of this past weekend. He was who we thought he was. 234 yards through the air, one touchdown, rushed the ball well, just kept the offense moving. And the Sooners, of course, made it close late, but really Kansas State had control of this game throughout and goes into Norman and pulls off a stunner. So what happened to Adrian Martinez? All of our dreams, all of our hopes finally came true. Whether he can keep it up or whether it was a one-shot deal, we'll have to see. But this week will prove a lot because we will find out if there was a, a letdown game or it was just kind of one of those all the stars aligned. Yeah, the, the one thing that I'll say about Adrian Martinez is that really brings to light how bad that Scott Frost situation was in Nebraska. I just it, it just shows the amount of success that he's been able to find almost immediately just shows it just was not a good situation in Lincoln. Yeah, us along with a lot of people kind of thought the Scott Frost hire was a home run hire. He was coming off a undefeated season with UCF. He was going back to his alma mater. They had so much momentum recruiting-wise. There was a buzz about Nebraska. And to your point, bad loss after bad loss and – just never worked out. Obviously, the Huskers have moved on. Adrian Martinez has moved on and possibly, you know, salvaged his career with Kansas State. We'll have to see. Mike, for our final installment of the game, The Sweeping the Nation, what happened to? What happened to the Virginia Cavaliers? Think back to last year. Yeah, they're not making the college football playoff, but man, on offense, they were clicking. Their receivers were great. Brennan Armstrong was. People in the early part of the season tossed around the Heisman word. What happened to him? This is a complete anomaly to me. I mean, they did lose their tight end and their offensive coordinator. Uh, they lost their offensive coordinator to Syracuse, who they actually just played this past weekend. And they lost their their tight end, Jelani Woods, who actually scored two touchdowns for the Colts to beat the Chiefs this past weekend. <laughs> a little NFL talk there for you. I, I For me, uh, obviously, it's, a big, it's big to lose your offensive coordinator. Um, but however, but they haven't lost that much outside of Jelani Woods on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Wicks is still there. Uh, Brendan Armstrong is still the quarterback there. Uh, I mean, that guy was throwing for like a thousand yards a game last year. It was, it was insane. Um, I, I think for me, though, when I'm watching the Virginia Cavaliers, I can't help but notice just consistent drops by the wide receiver by the wide receiver group. Uh, it, it's it's very consistent. I, I think I think we were having a discussion about it during the game last week, and I, I think they 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 have a drop rate of ten point seven percent. And I don't care how good you are, if you're dropping the ball at a ten point seven percent rate, you're just not good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think it's to me it, it's uh, the the wide receivers. I don't know exactly what happened. Maybe they they changed gloves this year or what happened. <laughs> I have to I have to say the drop rate for me is just it's been a constant drive killer for the Virginia Cavaliers and um, there, there were, I think there were several plays that would have would have been long maybe not touchdown passes but at least twenty plus yard passes that were just completely dropped by the wide receivers and uh, you can't you can't have that happening I don't care who's the offensive coordinator that those those are total drive killers for the offense. 
Robert and I, as you mentioned, moved on from Virginia, went to Syracuse. Of course, they changed head coaches. Bronco Mendenhall's gone. Tony Elliott's taken over. But none of those coaches can catch the ball. Not one of those coaches has ever caught a ball in a game for Virginia. So to your point, 10.7%, if you're dropping a little more than one out of every 10 passes, that's going to be tough. And it's just such a shoulder sagger to have a big a wide open play. Brennan Armstrong makes the throw and just a drop. And you, you take 20 yards off the board. You take time off your, you know, you add time to your defense because now they're back on the field sooner. So definitely a head scratcher this year with Virginia as to the drops and the offensive inefficiency. But we're going to turn the page and we're going to look to week five of the college football season. I can't believe we're only at week five, Mike. I'm about to throw up in my mouth a little bit. This is the this is the time of year I start to panic because it's, it's speeding by too fast and I love it too much. But who is going to be your nominee for game of the week? A game that I, I really have my eye on for this upcoming week is the University of Kentucky and Ole Miss matchup. For me, I, I don't really think Ole Miss has really done anything to prove their top 25 ranking. Uh, they Tulsa played them pretty tough this past week. Uh, Jackson Dart has looked okay. For me, I, if I if I had to pick a winner of this game, I think Kentucky actually beats them handily. But you can't not pick a top 25 matchup, especially one that's in the SEC. So I'm going to have to go with the, the UK Ole Miss matchup. Uh, give me that for game of the week. And give me Kentucky uh, as, as winner of that game. All right, so Ole Miss just under a touchdown favorite, even though Kentucky's ranked 7th and Ole Miss is ranked 14th. Of course, that means nothing when we're talking about lines and spreads. This is a, a great opportunity for Kentucky. They win this game. They've, they've already gone into Florida and won outright. Yes, maybe Florida wasn't who we thought they were, but it's still a tough environment. If they go into Ole Miss and win, Watch out because the board starts to open up and Kentucky right there with Tennessee is going to be vying to try and knock off Georgia and obviously Alabama as the top two in the SEC. Quarterback Will Levis, 1,185 yards on the year, 10 touchdowns. Going to need a big game from him for the Wildcats to come out victorious. Jason, before you give your game of the week, let me let me give you a bonus game of the week. Okay. I have to say, so we, we were talking about the, the Clemson-Wake matchup, and then you were talking about Clemson NC, and NC State, and I think that's going to be a great matchup. But I'm going to go on the other side. I think Wake Forest versus Florida State, man, that's going to be a great game. I, for me, I, I think, is this going to be the end of the road for of Florida State's win streak for this coming year? I don't know. Maybe. I think Wake Forest is, is not a team that you can slouch on. So I think that game in particular is going to be a great game. Uh, if I had to pick a winner of that game, man, I, I don't know that I could pick one. I, I think that's another game that, that could just go into overtime. I think Wake Forest is going to have more quarters played this season than, than ever before. Uh, I, I just that that game is also really exciting to me. So I I just had to point that out before you you moved on to to your game of the week. Yeah, Wake at Florida State. Florida State a touchdown favorite. Over under sixty five. What will be very interesting is. Obviously, both teams are getting it done through the air this year. Sam Hartman, as we already alluded to, A.T. Perry for Wake. What if it is a downpour? What if it is kind of torrential rains? How would that affect the passing game? Would Could either team get anything on the ground? Or 
Would they just be slinging it through the air? We'll have to see. Mike, for my game of the week, I'm going to go with the Big 12 championship rematch from last year. If you'll remember, Oklahoma State played Baylor, played that absolutely unbelievable game in which the Bears stopped Okie State with a goal line stand. I don't know if you remember, Desmond Jackson was was running. He thought he had the corner. He dove and came up just inches of the pylon. So Baylor hung on for the Big 12 championship. Now, think about Baylor this year. They're 3-1, and 1-0 in the conference. Their only loss was a tough on-the-road late-night matchup at BYU. A rabid crowd. They left the chocolate milk stand open late that night. I mean, the crowd was going crazy. And that's their only loss in overtime at BYU. Oklahoma State ranked ninth in the country, undefeated. Just another matchup where, like you said, we've kind of been focusing on these great SEC matchups of ranked teams. Here's one with a, the Baylor's, Baylor's ranked 16th, a slight favorite at home. Okie State ranked ninth. They have a chance to keep moving. The fighting Van Gundys trying to somehow, some way, squeak into the college football playoff. I mean, obviously there's a lot of time between now and then, but we've seen it before, a a loss here, and I'm not going to say their chances are zero, but they drop dramatically because there's just going to be too many teams to climb over. Now, I love Dave Aranda, Baylor's head coach. He's He made the gutsy call to go away from last year's quarterback, Gary Bohannon, and this year went with Blake Shapin. Bohannon moves on to USF, has not had a good year. Shapin, 773 yards through the air, seven touchdowns and only one interception. But, of course, he's going to be going up against 39-year-old Spencer Sanders for Oklahoma State, who's having a great year. 916 yards through the air, 10 touchdowns, only one interception, which is exactly what you would expect for someone who's 42 years old. (laughs) Now, Richard Reese for Baylor, 315 yards on the ground, six touchdowns. It's just going to be a really a knockdown, dragout fight. I know Okie State wants to wash the taste out of their mouth for losing that Big 12 championship game last year. I know Dave Aranda's uh, team is going to be tough-minded. It never gets too high, never gets too low, just physical. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be on Fox 330. Just tons of games this week. Yet another absolutely spectacular week of college football. Can't wait. So, Mike, now that we've got our game of the week out of the way, we've got to put some teams on upset alert. This, To me, this was a tough week to pick upsets because, you know, when we pick upsets, of course we're picking them to, to cover the spread, but we also like to give teams that might have a shot at winning outright. So, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming you're going with Rutgers plus 41 at Ohio State to win outright? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, gonna, it's their game to lose, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Jason, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I think this week was, was very difficult. When I look across the board, I every team that seemingly should be the favorite, I, I feel like it's going to be hard to kind of go against them. So, in the in the spirit of, of keeping it within the the Big Twelve, because uh, you were just talking about the big the Big Twelve conference, uh, I'm going to go with TCU over Oklahoma uh, for no other reason than than the fact that who's going to win the Big Twelve? I don't know. 
uh, you know, is it going to be Texas? Is it going to be Texas Tech? Is it going to be Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State? Is it, you know, who's it, who is it going to be? I, I think as of right now, I'm just rooting for the most madness, as, as, as much madness as possible within that conference. You know, we, uh, West Virginia just came off of a win this past week, so they're riding high. So, I, for me, it's, gonna, it's anybody's game, and I think if TCU can get in the mix as well, then I welcome that. So I'm going to go with TCU against Oklahoma. Uh, TCU wins that game. All right. So OU at six-and-a-half-point favorite going to TCU over-under pretty high, 68.5. What is Oklahoma's mindset after coming off that really tough loss, the aforementioned loss by Mr. Adrian Martinez and, and Kansas State? Oklahoma dropped down to 18th. TCU unranked but undefeated, so a great opportunity for the Horned Frogs here. Can Sooner quarterback Dylan Gabriel get the Sooners back on track, or will they fall and prove you right as your upset pick of the week? For me, I'm going with the Big Ten. Number four, Michigan traveling to Iowa. Now, for the most part of this year, Iowa has been somewhat of a laughing stock. We've had a lot of fun with memes and their inability to score their inability to put offense on the board and Michigan coming in riding high ranked fourth in the country a 10 and a half point favorite the over-unders only 42 I think about Michigan what they've done this year they played an absolutely cupcake preseason schedule to be honest for their first three games they get Maryland in the big house last week they hang on for a I think seven or eight point victory a game in which Maryland fumbled the opening kickoff and Michigan recovered it at, at the 10-yard line, punched it in the next play. Take that one blunder out, and we're talking about basically an even game the rest of the way. I don't know if Michigan did enough early on in the year to be battle-tested because, to me, this is a this would be a classic game for Iowa to win. Kinnick Stadium, going to be wild, going to be ready for the upset. Kirk Ferentz, not... He's, he's kind of like what you said with Gene Chizik, right? Never wants to change. But this is just a classic Hawkeyes do just enough, muck the game up, maybe get a turnover, maybe score some points on defense. It's a field position battle. The punters are back and forth. Of course, Michigan has J.J. McCarthy at quarterback who's looked great. Blake Corum who's looked fantastic at running back. I'm just not sure the Wolverines come out of this game unscathed. Give me Iowa plus 10.5 and and give me a 15% chance of the Hawkeyes coming out victorious. Ooh, I I like that. I like that pick. Uh, You know, I think Michigan has come out and uh, they've started the year great, so I think it's about time for them to be humbled by uh, by the Hawkeyes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I think that'll do it for this episode of the Pipeline Award-winning podcast. Please leave us a five-star review, subscribe, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Pipeline underscore, and we will see you guys next time on the Pipeline Award-winning podcast.